Today's episode features strong language, lots of cussing, some real open discussion about what we should do as white readers, authors, and part of the romance community, and how we can shut up and listen to the authors of color who are saying that things that are going on shouldn't be allowed. And if you have a problem with that, you should probably skip the episode because the whole episode is pretty much all about, you know, what people should be doing. If you want to continue on, carry on. Okay, so this episode is going to be a lot about people of color, author of colors, communicating. And I think one of the best ones that I've actually come across like that that makes me understand things is Explain to Me, which is a podcast featuring Bex, who I know through Lady Pod Squad as well as a couple of other groups. And it's something that I really want to promote because the podcast is all about people of color talking about what it's like to be in a world that's dominated by white people and the bullshit that comes with it. And it kind of dovetails really well into this episode, but I was going to feature explain to me anyway, so synergy, I guess, of a weird fucked up life. So here's the promo. I definitely think you should listen to it. There's a couple of episodes that I find very fun. I enjoy the White People Too Obviously episode because they all have great little quote names. And I also enjoyed the one about tamales, oddly enough, because I don't eat tamales because corn is bad when you're allergic to it. But I can understand the value in it. But I also like how every episode has this great synergy almost within the communication as well. Also, they have these mini episodes and stuff like that. So listen to the promo, enjoy it, and then we'll talk about Tempest by Beverly Jenkins and the badass bitch that is Reagan Carmichael. In a world where brown people are told to turn their shit down, four people of color have conversations and get real. 2018, your self-care. Mm-hmm. You're finally evolving, but still have work to do. I just want to be free, most of all. Why is it so easy to completely ignore the history of people? So I stress that to the listeners. And everyone, I guess, says that, you know, figure out your piece in the whole revolution. And please, please do. Which is inclusive of all different colors. Listen to Explain to Me on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Spreaker. So I was talking about the Rita's and that was actually the night before last when I was recording this and I wanted to add a little bit more because I think there's more that needs to be said. As a podcast I have the choice of who I can promote and when I am promoting someone I want to believe in what they're saying, I want to believe in what they're doing and I want to believe in who they are. I find that the authors that I highlight that I know about that I I found through Twitter versus somewhere else says a lot and I've just learned so much in that time. Unfortunately, the readers are also the not so great things in the romance industry because they're very biased, they're very ugly in that way and Cherry Adair is going to be the lifetime recipient this year but I can't stand behind her because her actions have been deplorable to me she has doubled down on you know protecting the finalists which don't get me wrong guys the finalists I'm really happy for you but I think that there is a lack of fairness in the process and that can't be ignored when authors of color have continuously been driven to be better, more, you know, pay the $50 fee or whatever the entry fee is, do all this. And they were told to be all these things and they still put their heart and soul into their work. They submitted it for review and yet they were completely ignored because someone can't imagine being a black heroine. Neither can I. Y'all, I am whiter than white. Like I am damn near translucent, but I can imagine being Reagan, I can imagine being Pinky, I can imagine being someone that has to find their own way and to find their happily ever after. 
And it's not about not seeing color because that's bullshit too. It's about understanding and evaluating and finding that connection. That's why we read romance. Romance is important because of that. Never make a mistake and say that it's not. And I don't want to see and hear about people that do not understand that. And Miss Adair may be, you know, way back when she may be part of the program. She may be all these things, but she's not representative. And yet she is because there's there's been a lot of discussion on the pan, which I have no group to get to that that loop. I can't get to that board. I'm not a published author. I'm not an RWA. I can't get there. But there's been enough conversation in Twitter over the past like couple of days that I'm understanding that there are still people that do not understand the value in fucking empathy. Okay? Like not fucking empathy because that would be weird. But like if you were empathetic and I don't want to take away from that because I'm listening to authors of color say, I tried, I was overruled because someone couldn't imagine this. Okay, we review paranormal romance all the time on this podcast, right? I'm not fucking a dragon. I'm not having an alpha hero who turns into a werewolf or who is a vampire or who, I don't know, lives in elf world. Like, I don't, those are not my areas. I don't live in that world, but I can certainly understand the women in that world. And I want to very clearly state that any kind of derailment sucks. So if you're a white author, if you're a white reader and you're getting defensive, shut the fuck up and listen. That's it. That's all I got. Miss Adair just absolutely pissed me off. I'm fully going to cop to that. She blocked me and that's okay because I have no desire to review her book. And I told her that flat out. There is no way in God's green earth I am going to promote somebody who does not believe in the same values as this podcast. And this podcast is an ever-evolving trove of knowledge that I'm gaining. And I'm hoping that you guys gain it too. And one of the biggest things is, is don't ignore something because of tone policing or be nice. Fuck that. Why do you have to be nice? Why should an author of color be nice when they have never been given any kind of respect or value within an organization that they fully have believed in and taken care of? Flat out. Fuck it, right? And so I want to make that very clear. And when Adair was shitting on Alyssa Day, it about pissed me off because Alyssa Day had added part of a conversation that had been part of a thread about being aware and what we can do both as readers and authors because there are both. I mean, Romance Landia is not just one specific thing, right? Because there's a lot of crossover in reading and evaluating and, you know, what's better than than watching your peers say something nice? Anyway, one of the things she said was she's going to take Rita out of all her social media because she's won one. But the thing is, is it's not about what you've won it's what someone else is not getting at the same time and it's something that we as white women continuously ignore i mean look at the me too movement and look at like the actions of like black lives matter and we tend to overtake and take away and our value as allies is just to shut the fuck up to listen to understand what's happening and why it's happening and to back those that need to know they're not alone because we don't need to do their work. We don't need to do the work for them in that they've already taken the steps. So they've already done their part. We have to do our part by taking care and making sure things are understood. And this is all I'm gonna say. This is the end of my rant, I promise. But I want to make sure people are aware of what's going on. Twitter is a really good resource if you guys wanna follow it. Um, Courtney Milan, Alyssa Cole, they've very much been on point. You know, when Bev Jenkins said that she wasn't putting Tempest in for Arita, it killed me because this is a fucking tentpole for me as a reviewer. This is a this is a character and this is a story that shows that life is 
a beautiful mess, but it's also a happy ending because everyone deserves that representation. Period in the end. And there's a reason why I'm kind of happy that you guys chose Tempest this early because it kind of gives me the opportunity to talk about this a little bit more. And believe me, we're going to talk about this a little bit more. And this is going to be a long episode. Sorry about that. Not really because it's part and parcel of being in this industry and I usually don't talk about industry stuff in the review, but I think it's very important to note. So, in short, don't be an asshole. Support those who want to be heard. And I don't mean talk over them. I mean literally support them. Stand back. And if they want you to say something, then say it. Speak up to your other writers, reviewers, readers that are white. If you're white and being an asshole, say, shut up, listen, go away. Also, this is not meant to say anything bad to the finalists and those who have been in that running. This has nothing to do with that. This simply has to talk about what needs to change. And I can't blame the authors like Robin Covington, who is not going to attend the Rita's Gala. I, I get it. It makes sense to me. You can only take so much for granted. And when we don't say something, when we don't put our mouth where our actions are, it doesn't matter. And, you know, we have to do something. On Twitter, Heather Reads Rom has got this great list of who not to buy. Because who wants to support bigotry, biases, people that couldn't see their nose in front of their own face in a mirror, stuff like that. So, I definitely want to promote that account and I want to go ahead and put it there because I think it's an important thread to have and it's a very exhaustive list. Be very aware that it's going to be an exhaustive list but not the most exhaustive list because people show their ass all day long every day. But it's definitely a good primer for what not to buy and I just want to promote it because I think it's really important to put out there. Sometimes it's good to have a starting point, right? But I would also look for the authors of color that have continuously said something as well. And I don't just mean the big name authors. I mean look at the romance, Twitter, look at how people communicate, look at the authors that continue to say this is not okay and are ignored. And maybe not just listen to what they're saying, but maybe try reading one of their books. See how they see life and how they experience it and what can be better about it. It never hurts to open our eyes, right? So we've established already that I fucking love this book and I'm going to cuss out the wazoo. I would say I'm sorry, but I'm really kind of not. So here's what I know. Tempest was written by Beverly Jenkins in January of 2018, and I got it for $1.19 on Amazon. However, it's by HarperCollins Avon Books, so you can also get it here for $1.99, I think. It's part of the Old West series, which is also Forbidden, and I wanna say Breathless is the other book. I've only read two of the three of the series. I'm working on getting Breathless as soon as I can. I just wait for really good sales. Here is what I love. I freaking love Reagan, Reagan Carmichael, who is a very important character and she's kind of like one of those heroines that I love more than life itself. But I'm going to do a little bit of preface work beforehand. Last year, I noticed there was a lack of authors of color, of inclusion, of stories outside of what I was expecting to see. And Part of that falls on the fact that when I was reviewing books five or six years ago in Hale's, Hell's Tales, Hale, I've been in the South too long, I think, but Hell's Tales, it kind of bothered me already. And I was still very new to coming back to romance because it had been years since I had done any kind of working or seeing or kind of explaining why I loved books and why I found that, you know, the romance community was important to me. Like I can say, for instance, the RWA convention here in Atlanta, it was about a month before I met my fiance, somewhere around there, I think, and or right as when I met my fiance, and I actually took a picture with Tessa Dare because at the time I'd been talking to Tessa on social media for a while, and we had a point where we uh, took this you know, cool little picture, and I was like, 
drenched because of course it's summer in Atlanta and Lord knows it's going to rain every couple of minutes. But I sent that, that was one of the pictures I actually sent him of me. I cropped her out because I didn't have her permission to use the picture, but I sent him that. So there's a lot of really important significance to that and I still have the shirt. So RWA is important in that way because I was at the signing, the free signing, and I was like, oh my God, that's so awesome because I can't afford RWA. I can't afford rent right now, so I definitely can't afford a membership to see anywhere else. But what I did find amazing was that I saw all these authors that I loved and then I started thinking and I went, I didn't see really a lot of authors of color at the time. And self-publishing was big, but it wasn't, it was like bigger, I guess it is now, but not so much. Anyway, I was, you know, going through a lot of the smaller presses like Tool and Sahaman, Sahaman. I don't know. I've never been able to say the word in my life, no matter how much I love the holiday. So I was going through all those websites and picking up books and then Amazon kind of went and broke the mold by providing me with more free books and 99 cent books, which for me, that's pretty much where my budget is because I'm a speed reader. Like I can read 105,000 words in a what four hours so for me if not less so for me those 99 cent books are actually really important and I feel bad that I cannot afford more books very often but what I try and do is I try and now in the significantly less money that I make working in retail I try and put some money aside so I at least have something that I can contribute sort of like how I got Tempest for $1.99 it's normally $7.99 and Anyway, it was my first introduction into Beverly Jenkins and it was the best thing ever. But I kind of had to go outside my bubble. And on, you know, Romance Twitter this past year, Jenkins' name came a lot. And so last year I was able to get the book at the library in the system that I was in at the time. And I just devoured it. Like I was just devouring everything possible. And I realized what people meant by own voices because I started following, not necessarily following her on Twitter, but following the threads that where she comes up in and conversations with people that I do follow. And I just found there was a lot more that I was missing and a lot of a happy ending I had never imagined. And that's shame on me. As a white member of society, it's up to me to look beyond my experiences. And I hadn't done that and I felt a lot of shame on it. I also read several of her blessing books, which phenomenal as well. They're really set in a way that I can understand it. And there's a very core woman situation where they kind of understand each other. I also read Forbidden, which is the person in the series at the same time, which is Reagan's Aunt Edie. But I love what I was reading and what I was finding. And so I started cultivating a better Twitter list where I could get better options and better things outside of what I was experiencing. And I, I think that's important. I think it's important to talk about that. And it's especially important to talk about because as I said with RWA and everything that's going on with the readers right now and the very clear lack of not just representation, even though that is so important, but also the lack of awareness, like the judging body has to be aware of their biases and it seems like they're not. And it's been a conversation I've noticed for the past year in that time frame. I've also noticed that it's obviously been there for a while longer after that. And I think it's very important. So when I had a listener poll, which is how this episode came about because I had so many books I'd read, I was kind of at a standstill. I didn't know what to talk about. Tempest won and it kind of was just like this great congealed thing because Beverly Jenkins said that she didn't enter the Rita's on some of these books because she knows she had no chance of winning, which is a damn crying shame because her books are fantastic. And when I say fantastic, I mean, Reagan is one of those things that I measure other women by in books now. And I think that we're missing out a lot when the romance community does not take care of its own and incorporate and offer things. And it's a conversation that's definitely happening on Twitter. It'll probably still be happening 
over the next year so I'm not going to be putting my time outside of here but I'm hoping that there's a more balanced way of putting good books out there by authors of color who deserve to have their happy ending represented. Now I should mention I read Tempest again last summer but along that way I've also found a lot of really good authors of color through that Twitter list curation thing and one of them is the woman I can never say right Talia Hibbert. I hope I'm doing that right. One day I will get that right. I don't think that day is going to be anytime soon. And Alyssa Cole. Like I've also found Holly Trent who does Creature Comfort. I mean Coyote's Comfort. Sorry. I say Creature because of Doofus. It's always usually over here in my earpiece talking to me. But I think all these voices are so important. And they're not the only ones because I've been reading Courtney Milan for a while. She was one of my favorites in between all that when I would kind of snag a book but I've just found I can't say her name I hope I'm saying this name right because you're an amazing author Suleika Snyder again I'm not the best pronouncing name on the best of names and I fully admit that and I've managed to screw up Jennifer so you know if that makes you feel any better but all these names and all these authors have kind of come into my view recently and I feel so much better have gone through some of the own voices and paying attention and I have a lot more left to read. I'm looking to include my listeners and I want to not just talk to one specific group because I think that we all want love stories but I also think all of our experiences matter and Tempest does a really good job of highlighting that in a way that is not performative, but instead just simply a part of life. And it's not something that is a white person trying to write about a black woman's experiences or the stories that have been handed down along the way. Okay, so who is Reagan Carmichael? Reagan is the lead character in the book and I can definitely see why it's called Tempest. It's got multiple kind of connections to me. I would hear like Tempest in a teapot. It also kind of talks about how life is always, there's always something going on and you always have to learn how to address it, to either accept it or break it before it breaks you and I think that Reagan does that really well and I can definitely see where her Aunt Edie kind of got involved because Aunt Edie was a strong black maternal figure who helped her find her way when her own mother kind of discarded her and left her and in that vein <laughs> Reagan decided to be a mail order bride because she wanted to go in and have her own adventure and have her own life and her own family and Dr. Colton Lee put his ad out there for him and his six-year-old daughter he kind of wanted someone that was going to be a good influence that could teach his daughter how to be a lady which screw being a lady <laughs> um but he wanted to teach her to be a lady in the times which was the old west so you can definitely see where some of the Jim Crow era stuff had kind of started to fracture and appear in the west but it wasn't quite as bad as it was necessarily in the south so the beginnings of the bad were on the way but Reagan didn't let any of that break her down. She did not become less, but she did not become more either. She was just her. And I think that's really important because she didn't put up with any male shit either. And I think that kind of goes back to being tough when life wants to break you because when her mother sent her to Eddie's house in uh, Nevada at the time to, to be with her, whether she wanted her there or not, which is kind of part of her aunt's story as well, she didn't find it to be as heartbreaking as her sister Portia did. She didn't find it as a way to not be okay. And she loves hard and well and she will defend all of those under her protection at all costs, which is kind of really important because there are some pretty screwed up things that happen in the book and some things that take a lot of time to talk about, but I think it really applies and it really worked out really well. And she doesn't apologize for being rich or not needing to count every penny. 
you know, while her husband does a lot of work for next to nothing as a town doctor, because doctors were not paid a lot back then, and he definitely wasn't because he would rather save a life than worry about payment. And I think that's one thing that drew Reagan to Colt when he was forced to show his professionalism in, in a way that really worked. It was a really nice communication. It was kind of how they could be strong together. She's the strong, independent woman who doesn't worry about if a guy is happy. She doesn't care. Like, there's some harbor that cares when, they, when she and Colt get married, but in general, it's not... It's not a big worry because she's confident in who she is and that's a lot of that is entirely laid at her aunt's hand. There doesn't need to be a reason to worry about if a man's going to find you appealing. If he doesn't find you appealing, he, you don't need him, right? And I think that's really important. Kind of like how she doesn't give a shit if she's going to be wearing denims and work clothes and male clothes versus, you know, the prim and proper dresses. Because, I mean, they're in the Wyoming territory. If she's going to be working in the horse stalls, it makes more sense to wear the pants because she can move quicker if, let's say, her horse star were to rear up or something were to happen, she wouldn't have that ability. And so it kind of gives her an edge when she's working around the homestead, and I think that's really important. And she knows how to run a ranch because of what her aunt and uncle had started, and it gave her a lot of knowledge and not just knowledge in the farming and the ranching side but also in understanding the community that she was in in paradise wyoming which is where colt was from i just think that's kind of amazing and she didn't really fear being a black suffragette in the territory either which i mean let's face it in the 19 not 19 <laughs> in the 1800s that wasn't the safest thing i mean being a free black woman was not always the safest measure and Reagan did a really good job of communicating that and the book did a really good job of showcasing some of the areas that really kind of sucked and they weren't great which I'll get into in just a few minutes and some of my more important scenes and the ones that really kind of said something to me but I also like the fact that she had friends her closest friend was Spring Lee who goes by spring and she first encountered her when, <laughs> when okay so the meet cute is interesting you know about the mail order bride well on the other half of that statement is you've also got the how do they meet in person and they meet in person when reagan shoots colt in the shoulder why does she do that well there were bandits that were coming after her coach and the driver was injured and she's real good with her Winchester, so why wouldn't she? And that kind of created a strong bond with she and Spring because they're very much, they have different experiences, but they have a kindredness there. And I love that beyond measure because not only are they family by marriage, but they're family by choice. And Spring seems to have really kind of blossomed with Reagan acting as a counter or not even necessarily as a counter but as a partner in crime almost and it's not like they're going stealing horses or anything they're not the bandits but they're like-minded women and I think sometimes that may have been hard to find where they were especially considering that Spring is mostly black but she's got a Shoshone grandma and she's actually named after said grandma. And there's a lot of pull about being independent and being stubborn and knowing what you want. And in a society that didn't let women do that very often, I think it speaks to Jenkins' talent in creating a strong foundation for Reagan to feel safe in. And later on, she feels safe with some of the members of the Women's League in town, the society who help her do some things, but... I think Spring is that person that understands why she is the way she is when maybe the other women wouldn't because Reagan and Spring are both non-traditional women. And I love the description of, you know, how she meets Spring because she doesn't know who Spring is. She doesn't know that's her, form, her future sister-in-law. She just knows that someone brought her here to drop her off and as she and the other people 
reached the house. A dark-skinned woman walked out of one of the barns leading a beautiful Appaloosa colt. Its reddish dappled coat reminded Reagan of her sister's mayor, Arizona. That spring wore denims and a man's red checked flannel shirt buoyed, buoyed Reagan's weary spirit because the attire reminded her so much of the clothing she wore back home. Spring was lean like her brother. Her thick black hair was braided into a fat plate that reached the middle of her back. So you can see her, like, you're not just visualizing who Spring is and clothing and stuff, but you can understand how strong Spring is and how important that's going to be for Reagan. And when Reagan tells her about shooting Colt accidentally, I mean... You got bandits chasing after you. What do you think is going to happen when there's a posse rolling up behind them? So she nodded. <laughs> she being spring. Never married. Men tend to avoid a woman known for having her own mind. A wide grin crossed Reagan's face. The two of us will do well together. I think you might be right. Between your Winchester and my Remington, we'll scare most men around here to death. And I, <laughs> that is such a cool way of talking about some of their tendencies to be alike but it also kind of helps you see how they don't fit in in a very significant way because they're not trying to be married they're not trying to have you know a man bring home paycheck because that's what society thinks they're trying to just survive and scrap even though Reagan is rich she still wants that ultimate fantasy and everyone deserves that I mean obviously what I really love about the women in this book is Jenkins focuses on the minority women's experience. In this case, it's mostly black women, but there are other minorities that, that are ex kind of expanded out later on in the book when Colt has to go somewhere, but that's more of a male than a female experience. But in Tempest, you really see the impact of a black woman moving from a strong family tie to being rootless in Wyoming until she makes her own way. And that's got to be so freaking scary because the world is bad now. So I can't imagine what it would be just post-Civil War. I mean, that's just a lot of, I mean, not even microaggressions. It's got to be macro at that point. And she survives and she thrives and... She doesn't let it beat her down. And you can definitely see the impact of like the Native American in spring because she's separated from her culture because her grandma couldn't be that wife that her grandpa needed so desperately. It, just, it wasn't going to happen. And as sad as that is, and the long ramifications, I think it also talks about how you didn't always get the family that you were born into. You you didn't always get that happy ending from the jump. You weren't gifted with all the happiness in the world. And there's a lot of internal conflict and internal struggle that comes with being confident, but also feeling uncertain of where you fit in a family when your very patriarchal grandfather doesn't appreciate you and doesn't understand you. And it's just like both women are mentally and physically strong. And again, I love it when a, whenever a book has such strong women, whenever they have some, that, that strong connection, I'm going to be there every time. I'm always going to be there for it. And it's got to be so hard because you're fighting against something that no one else wanted you to have in any way shape or form and then there's another scene where she's talking about maybe going to court and kind of talking to the white system about what happened and why she ended up having to shoot these guys because she lives in a mixed community there's black white i'm going to say chinese like this very representation of the time back then and it's also again during the beginnings of the Jim Crow era which before the Civil War black people had no rights after the Civil War white people in power were scared so they stripped them of whatever they had earned during the outcome of the Civil War and there's just a very real expectation of what it was probably like back then I don't know like that's not in my history but I can imagine it was probably something fairly daunting in one point when she's talking about how 
she could or could not be the one to testify. She said, in many places, colored people were barred from testifying against those outside the race by laws instituted before and after the Civil War. Imagine how much strength it would say that you had to have to say, cool, I still want to go be the one to give some testimony because the dude that was driving me somewhere was a little out of it because he'd been shot. And I think that's kind of an important element. I've noticed that no matter what, Jenkins writes really strong women, very knowledgeable, very competent women. And I don't really know how to put Reagan in there with a lot of the books that I've read, but I will say I think she would probably get along with Tamar July from Jenkins Blessing series, which Blessings is a set in a small Kansas town, Henry Adams where black president of uh, black residents have kept the dying town alive until they can't and someone has to come in and try and save it and they have to adjust to what was and what will be and i think that's pretty important to talk about a black town in the i guess midwest especially after everything that happened like the bombing in oklahoma i think it was back in the 1920s how Black people having any kind of positive and possible reaction was kind of denied. And Tamar is very much a woman of strong sensibility, practicality, and has no time for your shit. Very much like the women from the Old West series, from what I've read. Now, Dr. Colton Lee, or Colt, I actually didn't ha I didn't hate him and I really don't have a number to say how much he sucks because in general he was actually a really good balance you know he was much more learned in a professional way and when I say professional I mean like as a doctor he went and he got the education he knows what he's doing and he's a town doctor whether all the people in the town like it or not and at one point one of the people shows up and they basically let their grandchild die because they were afraid to go to a black man and they were afraid of doing anything that wasn't, you know, used back in 1724, which we should probably tell them about inoculations. But anyway, so the point being, they were prejudiced and they were racist and it cost them a child. Reagan paid for the funeral. She never asked for that. Like, no one ever asked for her to pay, but she wanted to make sure the child was buried with something positive. And I think that that says a lot and you know he's not really an alpha hero like her uncle Ryan who is Edie's, Eddie's partner but he's got some of the traditional values at times of course but he doesn't really let that overrule his common sense and she doesn't let that overrule her actions and he doesn't mind it like eventually he settles into this okay this is a woman that I love I've fallen in love with her. I wasn't planning on it. I didn't know that was going to happen with my male older bride. I was more thinking about my kid and my life and kind of setting that nice reality for, you know, his daughter Anna to exist. But he finds and he doesn't run away from things. And at some point he just kind of gives into the fact she's going to always have more money than him. And she's probably going to come home with some things that are a little bit more expensive, but that's okay. And he also doesn't let his grandfather's bitterness over his grandmother leaving turn him against women. Because he definitely loved his first wife, Adele, who died not long after giving birth to Anna. And so there's this feeling of competency outside of social expectations. And I honestly really liked him. He had compassion for people. And when he went to the Chinese worker strike in, um, at some point near Colorado Springs in that area, you can definitely see him as he learns from the Chinese doctor and he learns how to look around and see similarities and the sadness that holds that it's the Chinese workers are being blamed for the mine owners you know, putting someone in because I guess the mine workers themselves were the ones that were on strike. It just, there's this moment in history that I didn't even know existed and I learned it from a book, a romance book. And that's why I get so fucking angry when people talk about how books are not useful, how romance books are light. I'm like, do you know how much history you can learn 
in some of these books, especially the historicals where the authors actually do the work. It's so rare and it's so amazing. And it's not rare in learning, it's rare in people admitting it. And it's one of my favorite parts of being in romance fandom is, is it's okay to learn because you never know what you're gonna find. Now, for his family, he's actually got a lot. I, have, I haven't really talked about Reagan's because I think in this book, Reagan is separated from her family in a very intentional way, so I don't really talk about her. She loves her aunt and her sister and she misses her brother-in-law and, and her uncle and you know she misses her whole support system. But in this, I think the book does a really good job of showing how support can go many different ways. Colt has got his six-year-old daughter, Anna, who is a prim and proper miss to the point of being absurd. And that is because her Aunt Minnie, Grandma, I can't remember, but her woman influence is determined to make her a lady. And can I say screw being a lady because, sorry, it's my, it's my thing. I don't think that anyone should be a lady. A woman should be who she is, no matter what that is. And so... I was reading it and I could see that Anna was very hesitant and wary at Reagan showing up, but eventually they created this really great relationship where, you know, Reagan understood and saw Anna for what she wasn't getting, what she wasn't experiencing, what she did need, and made sure to bring it. And I think that's super important when it comes to this kind of a story. Of course, there's also Adele, who is Colt's first wife who died in birth, I guess you could say. She died while birthing Anna. And he feels a lot of guilt about her because he was away at the time, but I'm fairly sure back in the 1800s there wasn't a whole lot that they could do. He kind of was left to raise Anna with his grandfather and his sister. It was a very interesting way of putting Adele in the story as well because Reagan would talk to her portrait on the wall and she would make sure to include her. It kind of reminded me a little bit of the movie Clueless, you know, when she talk, when Cher talks to her mom. But I think it's got that same kind of value of just because someone's gone doesn't mean you have to give them up for everything. And of course we have Spring who is as headstrong as Reagan and while that's um, quite a bit against the traditional values, there's a large part of Colt that really appreciates the fact that he and his sister are together. Their grandfather, Ben, is so bitter. Oh my good lord. He is so bitter over his wife leaving him with a son and not being everything that she should have been because he gave her a real good life. You know, she went from being with her people to being a wife. What could be better? Oh my god. I wanted to, y'all, me and this man, I wanted to throw him out the door. He gets a straight, ugh. And there's just such a lot of paternalistic bullshit found in him. And one of the lines is he's talking to uh, Colt about really what happened after he married and you know the kind of life that he expected that Spring Rain, his wife, would take. And he goes, after Lewis's birth, the complaint stopped, but on the morning of his first birthday, I woke up to him, find him in bed next to me and her gone. I was frantic. I found a wet nurse, left her mother there, and went to look for her. There were rumors that she'd gone west to find her tribe. An old trapper I knew said he'd seen her walking north towards Canada. I searched on and off for the next two years and then gave up. I was angry, bitter, and left with an infant I didn't know how to raise and frankly didn't want to because that was women's work. Lord help me. Let's just put it there. Lord help me because I wanted to reach through the pages and strangle him. He sounds a lot like my grandfather and he was a rat bastard, so... Just saying. And then you kind of like bring up the idea of spring rain, which is what her name meant in Shoshone and Ben spoke the language. And there's just something that's very sad because you fall in love, you want to be with that person, but if that person is unwilling to bend and to follow what you need as well as what they need, it becomes a prison. And I think she was internally in prison and she just didn't know how to live with it and I mean she can't I can't necessarily blame her if you're living with a man who thought he was doing something good for somebody and there was just something very sad about her and you know Ben can't let go of the anger and the resentment and 
kind of bleeds into his conversations and his relationship with his kids and his grandkids because he didn't want to be a dad. He wanted to be a father on paper, but he did not want to be the one that has to kiss the boo-boos or make it better or, you know, feed them or take care of them. And he kind of like dumped all that off because it wasn't what he wanted. It was woman's work. And Spring probably went from feeling very comfortable in her family to not. And it actually works as a very good, almost opposite mirror effect for Reagan, who finds another family within her adventure at being a bride. And it's just, it's just very clear imagery and it works so well. And you've got Lewis and Isabel, who were his mother and father who, you know, at some point he died and she died. And so there was a lack of family community there. And of course you've got Minnie who is a former in-law from hell. Oh, that person. She makes me shiver and groan. All these families and all this communication kind of creates this great, wonderful way of creating a romance that has internal and external conflicts. You don't have to go with just one or the other. And I love it when a romance feels organic. We've talked about the meet cute. We've talked about how she shot him. And eventually he kind of starts to really understand that she's a person worth knowing and she's a person worth loving. And I think that that's, that's such a good feeling, especially when you're looking for a book that shows positive love that you may have missed otherwise. Like in the case of me, if I hadn't been paying attention to Twitter. And, you know, they have a lot of sex, but the sex is an expression of who they are and where they are. And it kind of gives them an ability to communicate in ways maybe that words don't work. Because essentially they're still very much strangers until she kind of settles in and until he learns to kind of heal from the past. But they do a really good job of finding that balance and, and creating their own world and their own life. There's a big couple of issues in the book, the external conflicts, and one of them involves Anna. But ultimately, Reagan joins Colt and Anna as a family, as the Lees. And, you know, Anna calls Reagan mama, which is a huge deal, right? But it really works out, and they're lovely as a unit. And, you know, as a couple, they love their daughter. And, you know, she's their world. and it reminds me a little bit of her aunt and how just because you're not the biological mother doesn't mean you can't be a mother which kind of also goes back into some of the blessing books it's just a, it's a very strong way of writing and Jenkins does an amazing job of making a character feel like she's a part of something and like there are some moments that are I just I love like the entire book is amazing and I don't want to talk about it all because I think that I don't want to give away the story, but you know, when she becomes a teacher because the board won't, the city board was all like, oh, we don't need a school. And you know, the women are like, hi, excuse me. If we want to bring people into this community, we kind of need a school. And she's like, okay, I'll teach. She's got her degree. She's just never used it, but she's got her degree and she's rich. So she doesn't need payment. And it's this big scene and kind of a showdown, but it really shows how women can pull together and see a future that maybe the men are very much ignoring because it doesn't fit in their viewpoints. One of my favorite things is when they were talking about the Chinese ban uh, in the 1980s, which is when this book was set, uh, 1880s, when this book was set. It's an important viewpoint because it kind of mirrors how much the nation hasn't grown over a hundred years. There's still that white other, white other and it's just this great viewpoint and it really made me think last year about how as white society we universal we of white people don't really necessarily understand the power we hold and that we wield without even acknowledging it and I just think that's such an important scene because when she talks about society you know, there's a scene where a Chinese man is wandering through paradise trying to sell fans. And there's just a very clear line of racism and prejudice within the, in the group because it says, 
A Chinese man in traditional clothing wandered through the crowd selling fans. No one seemed interested, however. A few even glared at his passing. Reagan was accustomed to seeing people of his race at home and in San Francisco, but hadn't seen any Chinese in paradise. All over the country, his people were being targeted by violence. She hoped to be allowed to sell his wares in peace. There's a kinship there, too, and I think it's a really important one to talk about because, in general, again, white other. White other. And so there's an empathy and a compassion because she understands what's going on. And there's another scene where the banker, the local banker, won't take her money and he won't kind of give her what she needs because how could a black woman have all this money? Well, her uncle and his brother have set up a great deal of money because they don't need to go to the grave with as much money that they can swim in the bank vaults. They're not Scrooge McDuck guys. And I should, I should mention her uncle Ryan. So her uncle Ryan is a black man whose father was a slave owner. So he's got a black mother who was part of an African queen line. And he's got his slave holding father, biological father, because it doesn't necessarily mean that that's a real father. Well, father versus daddy in that sense. Anyway. And then he's got his brother Andrew who was... The mistress of the house, when I say mistress of the house, I mean the actual wife. The wife and the husband's child, so it's their half-brothers. And when Ryan stops trying to pass as white in the first book, he kind of puts everything over in Andrew's name because Andrew is a white man and therefore he doesn't quite have to run as much. And so she gets a letter from her uncle Andrew that says, Reagan received query from banker Arnold Kale. Accused you, a colored woman, his words, of pretending to be my niece. Wanted you arrested. Sent him back a very sharp reply. Any problems going forward, let me know. Love, Uncle A. And that kind of shows, again, how deep the family bonds go. Because at this point, she's been raised by around Uncle Andrew, and she's not necessarily worried about it because she knows who and what she is. And she's also very angry, and understandably so. And, you know, she kind of makes a point of, okay, well, next time I go to the bank, I should really kind of put the wrath of God into this guy because this isn't okay by any stretch of the imagination. And, you know, she wants all the kids to have the education. That's why she offers to be the teacher, too. She sees the importance of it. Education is not necessarily, you know, learning about Shakespeare or learning how to... I know, separate hydrogen molecules. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's not that. It's having a foundation of continuing to learn and grow as a person. And that comes and start from education. Learning how to spell, how to write, how to do household and business and arithmetic. It's all these things that kind of help set the foundation for a positive future. And that's exactly what many of the women in the society hold. There are some that should not be be allowed to have any power or use but the point is is they see it for what it is and they have no problem saying this is not okay and like when that letter arrived her aunt had sent her saddle and she sent her things how to make like tortillas and to make her kind of food that she grew up with it gives her that opportunity to feel at home in her new place and I think that's a fantastic idea so would I reread this book 125 percent it's fantastic i'll probably read it like five times over the next six years no lie because it's a reminder of what i continuously do not know and i think there's a real value in that and it, it can't be ignored and i want to say the heroine on the cover reminded me a lot of gina torres and the cleopatra 2525 timeline not necessarily in suits but kind of really a younger gina torres and obviously I love Jenkins writing. I mean, I think she's fantastic and I've got more in her in her lineup to read because there was a sale the other day on uh, HarperCollins, which of course owns Avon and Harlequin and all those. It was buy five books, save 40% on all. And so I bought like 10 books and three of them actually were Jenkins. It was Destiny's Surrender, Destiny's Embrace, and Destiny's Captive because I want to read more. I want to see about the women that she creates. And I think it's absolutely important to look beyond my own expectations. And to see what voices really sound like. Now, to give a little last note. 
I always talk about pot other podcasts, or I try. And Learning the Tropes, because I talk about it all the time on this one, actually reviewed Forbidden, which is the first book in the series. And I think you should go listen to the episode after you listen to mine. Because I think it's a great way of seeing where Reagan gets her strength from. Uh, it's easy to do. They kind of break it down. They talk about it. And I think it would really kind of be a good, almost a bookend of this one. I'd say go read it first, but that kind of defeats the purpose since, you know, this is near the end of the episode. So go read that next. Or go listen to that next. Read it too. By the way, it's really good. Okay, so for the featured podcast, I really want to talk about Frisky History. Frisky History has two women who talk about... (laughs) they talk about women's reproductive history and our rights in a way that openly discusses how fucked up it can be and how every experience is different and I wanted to talk about it because I think it's important within the framework of this because there's a lot of things that we don't hear like they did one though they did a couple episodes on being locked up and how women in prison and jail face very dangerous situations and it's disproportionately black women and minority women that are in jail so I think it's important to kind of talk about it but they also do some random stuff like they talk about the one lady that was married to a ghost so I mean it's not all huge and it's not all overly dramatic and it's not all Everything is a new experience. You just learn so much. They also talked about incels. <laughs> that was great. I liked that episode. I felt bad, but I liked that episode. If you want something fun, listen to Robin and Lacey. And you can listen to how cool they are, because you totally should. Here's the surprise element of the podcast. I have decided, I tried to do this on Twitter, no one responded, so now I'm going to open it wide round. I'm going to give two copies of Tempest away to anyone who will email me. I'm going to hold a raffle, so between March 25th and April 5th, I want everyone to email me with the subject line, Tempest Giveaway, and I'm going to give you a number, which I'll reply with it so that way you're aware. And then I'm going to do a raffle on the April 6th and whoever wins gets the two books. If you already own Tempest, but you know someone who doesn't, this may be a great way to kind of get them into it because I'm not getting any money from like Harper Collins is not doing this, Avon is not doing this, Beverly Jenkins is not doing this. This is straight up this podcast because I believe in the power of the book. I believe in it so much that I want to give someone else the opportunity to fall in love with the characters and to explore maybe what it was like in a way that you don't really get to read a lot about, especially in the Old West. So, recap. You have between March 25th and April 5th, 2019. Gonna put that in there in case someone's listening to this later on. With the subject line, Tempest Giveaway. And my email is damselspodcast at gmail.com. Please give me like a name. (laughs) It doesn't have to be like biological name. And give me like a way to contact you if you don't go on email that much. Because I'm always on Twitter. That's important to you. If you'll give me any of that info, I will have the raffle set up. And like I said, on the 6th, we'll let it run and we'll see who wins. And I'm going to notify you if you win or lose, and I'm not doing that because I want to spam, I just want you guys to know. Because I'll announce it on Twitter, but I also think as someone that's been looking for a job, it sucks really hard when you're trying to get some information and there's nothing to be found. So I'm trying to extend that in another way so you guys can get some courtesy. Here's the recap. Explain to me, listen to it. Tempest, read it. Do not stop, do not go, do not collect 200, read it. Frisky history, pretty interesting way of learning about women's reproductive rights. Also a ladies pod squad member. Not all of mine are that way, but in this case, I think it kind of dovetails really nicely. And finally, 
If you want Tempest, I'm giving two copies away. I want you to tell me, oh, I should mention also, I want you guys to tell me either Amazon or HarperCollins, Barnes & Noble, like tell me how you want me to gift it to you basically. So that way I can make sure that I'm sending it to you. Okay guys, that's it for this one. It's actually a longer episode than normal and I actually cut a lot of stuff out, sadly, scarily. So you can find me on Twitter at Damsel's Podcast. Same thing about Instagram. I'm kind of terrible about Instagram. You can also find us on Facebook at Damsel's Podcast. Email again, damselspodcast at gmail.com. I'm trying to make your life just slightly easier by trying to get in contact with me. And I'm also on Spotify. I keep forgetting to mention this, but I'm on Spotify as well. And you can also find our Patreon at Damsel's Podcast because that's how I roll. If you actually subscribe to that, there's a few episodes that are already up on books that I haven't covered over here and there are no outtakes. It's just straight up another one. Two of them actually feature Sven, so maybe you should listen. I will see you next time. Have a good spring. Run from the allergies. Run hard. If you can't run hard, sleep a lot. Bye, (laughs) y'all.